0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Saint George's Rod and Staff, the official podcast of the Parish of Saint George the Martyr in Kells River, alongside the Chapels of Saint Mark and Saint Monica. I am Lindsay Shooters, your host on this exploration of faith, and I am joined, as always, by the Archdeacon, Father Rodney Whiteman. How are you doing, sir?
1: Good. Uh, good afternoon, Lindsay. Um, after a busy day, a bit tired, but um, doing pretty well through the grace of God, and uh, so is my family, and um, hopefully the parish also. Um, Mm -hmm. Just want to add that one of our retired clergy passed on this morning, Reverend David Titus, so um, as we do this podcast, I just want to say may God grant him eternal rest and comfort to his family as they prepare his funeral service. He served in um, bishop lavis at one time he served Mm. in caledon Um, so he was fairly a fairly senior priest in our diocese and retired to the blackheath area Um, otherwise we're all doing well and i trust the same for you and your family uh
0: yes we are doing quite well that's quite a solemn i mean last week it was a departing priest and this week it's a Departed priest, wow, it's departed it's quite, one, yes. <laughs> um,
1: one yeah. was a parting and one was departing,
0: yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, my thoughts are with the family. I'm sure it cannot be a, a great time right now. Um, yes, it is Easter. You actually, just before we started recording, you educated me that it is not the third Sunday after Easter or the Sunday after Easter, it's a Third Sunday in Easter. Um, Of Easter. Of Easter, sorry. Of Easter. My apologies again. Always learning, always growing. Uh, Father, it's a simple one today. We are still very much in the Christ encounter moments. Uh, If you could please call us together with the collective prayer, and I will catch up with you for the liturgy of the word.
1: When we, when you listen to this podcast, it would be morning or afternoon. I greet you with the Easter greeting on this the third Sunday of Easter. Hallelujah. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. So the Lord be with you always. Our collect, which will appear on your screens as you listen to the podcast. Pray it with me, please is in Christ, you revealed yourself to the disciples and calmed their fears. Meet us in our uncertainties and walk with us into the new life you bring, for you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.
0: Mm -hmm. So I Told you earlier that I have one simple question, but we first have to deal with the Acts um, story, which is chapter 3, verses 12 to 19. I'm going to take you down to verse 13, which is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our ancestors, has given divine glory to his servant Jesus. But you handed him over to the authorities And you rejected him in Pilate's presence, even after Pilate had decided
2: to set him free. So here we are returning to a situation where it's like. The
0: person who died for your sins was the person you put to death, not the Romans. Uh, There was a lyric by an artist called Chance the Rapper, who I enjoy quite a bit, and he is quite a God-fearing, committed Christian, or at least he projects himself. But one of his lyrics, he implies that Pilate killed Jesus and the Romans killed Jesus, where it's like, that, that that's not the thing. It's like the very people that he came to save and to die for, were the people who put him on the cross? i'm 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 concerned that not enough people identify with that statement. I, I think that is that is true. yeah, it's
1: amazing how um, this is a a a statement made by Peter after the Holy Spirit came upon them at Pentecost.
3: Hmm.
1: And at Pentecost, uh, um, in, I suppose in, for me, in that one verse, uh, Peter puts together where the journey started, where the story started to unfold, and where, where, where it came to, where Pilate is included in the story. So he goes back and shows us how busy God was amongst the ancestors of the people. Um, These are stories that the people who were hearing, fellow Israelites, uh, would have related to because those are the stories that were told to them. How God was with Abram, with Isaac and with Jacob. And. And and how he shows in this how God is connected to Jesus or how Jesus is connected to God. And here um, he calls Jesus God's servant, the one who is the ultimate servant of God, who shows us in the line of servanthood because our ancestors, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, uh, ancestors of the faith, but also of the Jewish culture. A religious culture; um, uh, they would, uh, and and also the whole culture of the covenant relationship. That this is a work of continuity. God, those whom God cho- chooses and calls and sends are those who serve the purposes of the Almighty God. Now that we've established the foundation, so there's God, there's our ancestors. And God's work, God's work through the person of his son Jesus, who came to serve. And it's very interesting that he says, has given divine glory to his servant Jesus. So what does that tell us about Jesus? If he has been gifted with the divine glory of the God, who is the ancestor, our ancestors God. If Jesus the same glory as God, then does that tell us the significant, mysterious relationship between Jesus, the servant, and God, who is called to serve? What happens to this Jesus once uh, in the the realm of, of the earth, the way the earth operates in its system? We do know from our previous discussions and reflections on the text that this was, as it were, the last uh, trump card that that the authorities thought they could Mm. play to get rid of Jesus and handed him over to the authorities and rejected him in Pilate's presence. This one that is connected to your ancestors, you now hand over to a foreign authority. As it were, are you also not betraying your ancestors? And if you're doing that, are you also not betraying and rejecting God? So there was deeper theological implications there for for these people so in one way take responsibility that this is what you intended doing you wanted to silence jesus Mm. you thought Mm. he wasn't of god but we are telling you that he is of god because he was given the divine glory Mm. why Mm. were you blind to the divine glory so Pilate comes in and makes the decision now why is, is the decision to, to set Jesus free an indication mm. of what happened in the gospel stories when his wife said to Pilate, man, don't do anything to this man because I had a dream about this man.
3: Mm.
1: So, so look what happens. The Jewish authorities know that they can't condemn anybody to death. Because they're under a foreign power whose laws they had to subject themselves to. So Pilate's desire to free Jesus, not because he was impressed by Jesus, but because this was Jewish stuff. You know, he's the Hmm. governor. Why does he need to be caught up in the triviality of Jewish debate? As if Jesus had not even. Reckoned him in, included in the work of God of salvation, but, pre- but precisely that one can say when they went to the extent of, of rejecting him in Pilate's presence and handing him over to to them. In a way, Jesus is now, now not condemned by the Jewish people, but is condemned by. Those that were in charge that run the commonwealth at the time, those Mm. who were in power. Um, because look, Rome was seen as the end of the world for 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 this time. Um, and also the word decision, after and even after Pilate decided, that word is quite deceptive because Jesus told Pilate, You have no no authority to do anything to me. So Pilate tried to claim that. So here Jesus is pitted against worldly authorities. And even though he decides to go through with the punishment they gave him, did he need to be set free or was he free already? Mm. Free to walk the gauntlet. Um, You were pushed in a story you told me early on into a fight at school with somebody. Um, You had to walk the gauntlet because you kept saying, given the circumstances, I don't want to get involved in this. I've weighed up the situation and really the best thing for us to do is to walk away from. Mm -hmm. this." But that guy pushed you. So you had to walk the gauntlet in order to get him to understand what was good for both of you and for the observers and those who encourage. So Jesus walked the gauntlet, to include Pilate and all of Rome Mm. into this whole thing. Now, now what is significant here is they then um, um, juxtapose who who Jesus is, the qualities and characteristics of Jesus over against the, the desired rejection of these authorities. Is holy and good. You don't recognize this. So, holy and good people, what do you do? You reject it. And so, um, instead, you ask Pilate to do you the favor of taking, of turning loose a, a, a murderer. So, where should responsibility be taken if this whole act is God's act? The way of salvation, did the way of salvation need the cross? Did the way of salvation need foreign powers to decide Jesus's freedom or Jesus's death. Mm. In one way, I would say, no, it didn't need that. Because God could save anyway. But yes, the mystery. In order to save those who were truly, you know, angry and disgusted and hostile towards him for whatever reason, ye embrace the punishment to make them come to understand that his love is greater than the rejection and the murder. That
2: he as light can embrace the darkness of rejection and murder. So that they are the, those who can now witness to the power of God
1: Raising him from the dead. The worst enemy we face is death. But going back to the ancestors, the God of our ancestors, the God who glorified Jesus, is the God who has the power
0: over death.
2: Why so no why, matter- do
0: you, why do you frame death as an enemy?
1: Why do I frame death as an enemy? Death inevitably is an enemy, even while we are still alive. Just look at our relationships. As soon as we're angry with each other, what happens? Silence becomes the order of death to a relationship.
2: So what does death actually do? It separates. It hurts and pains.
1: And it can end up destructive if we choose to live in that way. So maybe there's more ways to look at death depending on the context thereof. Mm-hmm. To to reject and order a holy and good man to die, one would ask, what's the justice in all of that? What's the goodness is all in all of that? What makes the authorities who could give um who seem to think they had in their power, the the and the law in their hands to be able to do this. So, as it were, in the hands of those who make the judgment call, to those who, who, who make the arrests, the power of death and life seems to be in the hands of of the. I, I wonder whether this takes us back again to the story of the, of the garden of Eden and the tree. Mm. of of knowledge when you think you have the law you assume you have the power of death and life in your hand we we've been listening to um the sad um results of police brutality in the united states
3: Mm.
1: and the way that one listens to the story one gets the impression that the power of life and death is in the hands of those that sit in the judgment seat to make the laws and their army. So that kind of, of scenario of death, you know, is very frightening. We experienced it during apartheid time. Mm-hmm. You know, the, 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 the authorities gave you almost an impression it's but genade that you walk the streets if you are black. They can snuff you out because you don't mean a jack. Mm-hmm. The same with gangsters. They ha- they seem to have in their fear, What's the name because of the power of the gun? The power of the force? They seem to think they have that. Now, how do you cancel that out? How do you disempower? That illusion of powerfulness. Jesus then allows them to kill him. Mm. You kill the one that leads to life. You try to destroy life by killing it. Now he could have used other means to, to silence them, but would that have brought
2: salvation? Is that the intention of him? So here's the mystery. For me, he rather
1: embraced
2: the ugliness of our sins and the ugliness of our sins was that we would let him die. And as Peter so pointy, point, pointly says
1: here, yeah, you killed the one. There's blood on your hands. But does that mean... The stain of blood will always be with you, or is there redemption for you?
2: In our understanding as Christians, the blood of Jesus removes the stain of sin. But if you and I are still wanting to cling on to the stench
1: of our sin, which means death, then we're probably not going to come to Jesus to have our the stench of death, which is sin, in in our nostrils. In other words, that becomes the breath of life for us. Uh, Once once murder, as I would take in your your mind, you think that obliterating the person whom you're opposed to silences them forever. But but, but but, but, dear people of Israel, what you haven't contended with is this God of your ancestors was all part of the package. He had given divine glory to his servant Jesus, and he's the one who raised
2: Jesus from the dead. So in, in actual fact, you thought you had the power of death over him. But because of God, that power, the that
1: power is useless against the one who gives life, the one who is about life.
0: Long answer to your <laughs> question. I, I think it was, was a perfectly linked answer. Um so then what of the idea that there is eternal life after death with Jesus. What What of that? You know, I've always argued against that notion of like people think that they, they don't put enough emphasis on the world that they're living in right now, the life that they're living in right now, because through Christian teaching, there's this better thing. That you should kind of prepare yourself for. This is just the journey to that better thing. So so what of that if death is the enemy? Isn't it interesting that people would focus on that and not
1: see this whole package? I mm. often wonder why the incarnation is so important. Why, if God wanted us in heaven, did he not just take us up? Why did he come down to be with us on earth? Why 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 was earth so important to God? Uh, Why would um, he come and in Christ, he he takes on who we are Mm. and helps us. God's gift to us in life is the gift of humanity. And God
2: wanted that gift to reach the highest peak it could. And in Jesus, we see that that is possible. So
1: that in everyone, I mean, I certainly believe that what Paul says, anyone in Christ is a new creation, they'll pass away the, the new one. We didn't write the
2: story of humanity, but we call called to live a narrative that we didn't write.
1: Through <laughs> <No>, experiences. <laughs> mm. The narrative of humanity is not with us, yet within the experience of humanity and, and embracing it in community with others, such like as family uh, and the wider community out there. And yes, we, we, we because we, we we are part of the broken, the brokenness of humanity, which is always in our faces. Um,
2: we, we 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 were given the narrative of of a new Adam, and so if the new Adam didn't
1: matter, then Earth would have been destroyed. As far as I'm concerned, but that wasn't part of God's plan. God cherished the wonder of humanity. The 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 theology of creation teaches us. From the scriptures that when god saw what god had
2: made god said and it was good now why would god renade on a on a plan
1: that he had that he had as mysterious as it is to us why would he give up on the idea of humanity um and just allow it to lay in brokenness
2: Why did he make every effort to redeem it? My question Uh is, if Adam never ate the forbidden fruit, would there have been more people? More than the seven billion we have. Yes. Would there have been more
0: than just Adam and Eve? Because in the creationist idea it's God made Adam so that he could have a companion and then God made Eve as a companion for Adam and like (laughs) that in itself doesn't
2: really make sense to me (laughs) because it's like if you made like you don't if you get a dog and you have the time to spend
0: with the dog? Why does the dog need another dog as a friend, you know? Sure. Well, I think, in a way,
1: you've answered, you've answered the question for me or made, made the response for me. I mean, I just, I just come past a situation here at our robots mm. where, in front of me, we're standing this young-looking mother, I'm assuming, with a baby on her hand, mm-hmm. she's standing at the robot after producing this child, and now she's looking for handout to support her life. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking of the 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 the, the, the formation of that child mm. into a responsible. Developing creative human being.
2: But the formation is already cracked up. Mm. Because look, when she stands at that robot
1: and her child grows up to see, what's the child going to see? An us in a them scenario. Because Mm. they drive in cars and we beg a hand, hand out to them, our humanity is less than theirs.
2: So my question is why did she have unprotected sex So the world is not just about copulation it's about formation mm. and growing
1: that which you can manage into into a world and a society that can truly be able to care for each other and and work towards the common good. And if we work to the common good, we're able to work to the glory of God. So when Jesus comes into the world, what does he start doing? Why is he looking for followers? Um, When everybody's just following their own routine, even to the extent that those in the religious sector had power over people because people were lost. Jesus said that these are sheep without a shepherd. The Isaiah prophet prophet prophesized that. So humanity was in a state
2: of 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 impairment, and then Jesus comes to say there is a way to be human, in which I
1: mean. Going back to verse 13, he has given divine glory to his servant Jesus. Jesus walked the face of the earth. Through Jesus, we also blessed with uh, with the po- possibility of becoming those in whom the glory of God is is found and can shine through. Not to boost ourselves, but as the process of salvation to make us whole. Hmm. But we cannot hmm. be whole unless we are whole with each other. So Jesus comes to show us not just how to be a man, Jesus comes us to show us how to be humanity, how to be a new creation beyond just being the individual who inevitably destroys the world with selfish gain. Mm. So if our if our call was just to procreate, then Shouldn't they have also been part of procreation, the responsibility of how to raise, develop, grow, form responsible children into responsible adults who can look after the world, uh, who can care for God's creation? Because God said it was good. What did we do to it? We destroyed it.
0: Well, that's what we get
1: told. No one That's was what, there. <laughs> no, but if we look at what we what's going on with us now, the behavior is reflective of what happened in even even if the, the Garden of Eden is just a, a story to help us understand a possible truth, yeah, then what's going on now reflects just what humanity was like then. You see, somehow the tree of knowledge has not really disappeared. That temptation that 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 Adam and he faced is still very much with us. Almost on an everyday basis.
2: Well, there's different
0: ways of framing that, but like so. so don't, don't run
1: away from that point. Don't run no. away from that
2: point. That's <laughs> the reality that faces us all because we have the power to choose. Yeah. And in this life, to choose to obey God who created us
1: and become what God wants us to become. And we don't even know the quarter of that
2: or to become the way we have become in our satay of brokenness. So that
1: fighting becomes a possibility for us rather than reconciliation.
0: No, I, I, I see what you did there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh but like for for someone who who believes in what has been discovered, where it's like if you traveled at the speed of light and you tried to traverse the breadth of the observable universe, it will take you fifty nine billion years um to cover that distance, so like Earth and the humanity year is just a even smaller than a sand grain um, in the grand
2: scheme of things.
1: Absolutely. That is why we are called to humility. Because the sto- we not the story.
0: We are part of the story. But we are writing the story and it cheapens
2: the human experience and the human narrative to say that it was all because, like, that there was only one man and one woman created
0: and that it was a failure on our part that brought all the pain and everything. So it's like the story of evolution is puts more value, from my perspective, on the human experience because it's the difference between a resonate and a fallen angel. So it's like we don't need to keep repenting for something that we didn't do. So it's like the the question I was going to ask, and we we are segueing beautifully into the gospel, which is according to Luke chapter 24, verses 36b to 48. This is Luke's version of Jesus, of the original Christ encounter, where Jesus appears to the 12 in the upper room while they are in hiding. But the important thing here is verse 44. Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, thus it was written, thus it is written, that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning in, but beginning from Jerusalem. you are witnesses to these things. So there's two important points there. One is the twelve are the witnesses. so There was a conversation that I had earlier today, um, and I hope she's listening now. In that context, with those words, there cannot be other apostles among us today because those disciples were the chosen. They were the original witnesses. So we can't be making apostles out of people who didn't have that direct Christ encounter. That's just my judgment. That's my read on this thing. Um, (laughs) if you want to take the Bible quite literally. The second thing is, there's this constant, and I mean, I brought it up with Judas, and we brought it up with Pilate, where it's like, there was this prophecy that needed to be fulfilled. So, it brings us back to that idea of like the all-knowing God, like Jesus had to die. In the way that he did, like we, like the people needed to, the very people that he tried to say needed to kill him for the idea of Christianity to even begin to make sense. Um, Jesus doesn't get crucified. He's just another prophet. He's just another dude. There's no Christianity. Life kind of continues the way it, it was. That That's a big assumption on my part. I mean, there's a lot of things that could have transpired but my question to you father if he had to die if it was preordained that he would die by the hands of those he came to save what was the purpose of his death
2: i think part of the
1: the journey as a christian as and as church when we are locked into the narrative And therefore, the recall of the events of his life and death in the church's calendar from Advent to Advent. And we are drawn more and more into the mystery
2: of who Jesus is and what he came to do for us. There is no
1: other way to express this for me right now is maybe the way Paul captures it in conjunction with the way that John captures it. This is all about a God who loves us, who does not want us to write the narrative of our lives that ends in the the, the misery. the, The narrative, let me put it like this, the philosophy of life, in my view, As brought upon by the creation, the work of creation by the creator in the beginning God, was not a narrative in which
2: death was the main feature, which brings an end to our earthly life. The philosophy of the theology of creation was not
1: that it would end in death and there is no more. You can't write the philosophy of life with a conclusion of death. That's the mystery of life. But there are choices that we make that brings death. And if we listen to the narratives of people's lives, we often see where it ends. Uh, In misery, in hopelessness, in regret. These are all the um, Elements of a life lived to die rather than a life lived to live with death, possibly as a tunnel through which we go, as an experience that we have. to. That's why when when Paul talks about baptism, uh, um, he talks about living a life in which he dies daily to that which is not of God, so that he can live to that which is of God. And so, in a way, death therefore is not something he just sees happening at the end, but in the course of life, we die to things that are not of God, uh, that are not what God intended us to be, so that we can become all that God wants us to become, um, and be uh, in the in this world. So that when the end of an earthly passage stops in that particular way of living, we are called into. Uh, Um, into the realm in which life has a different characteristic, a different ambience, which is beyond our imagination. So why did Jesus die? Because we try to rewrite the script. God said, I made you for good, but I'm giving you the choice not to do this thing. Now, that perspective of creation and of humanity is but one perspective god, god didn't intend the story to be told with the idea that it started with one human, one one person one man and one woman mm. god's, god's understanding was it was the fullness of what it meant to be human but when you tell the story of humanity you normally start where you are
3: mm.
1: so when you when you want to write a blog about the benefits of marriage where are you going to start looking for the initial start of the story? But by your marriage, that's the narrative. And you're, you're then trying to bring others to the conversation based on their own experience. So so now so now we've written, we've tried, and this is the point you made earlier, which I don't necessarily agree. We are not the authors. We are probably co-authors of the story Mm. of humanity. When Peter tells the story of Jesus, he goes in the Acts, he goes back to the ancestral. That's the story that they lived. That's how they saw God in action in their lives
3: Mm.
1: and Mm. how he's connected with Jesus. Now, correlated to that, you then raise, which is brilliant, I must say, the the 24th chapter 44 of Luke. You put that alongside verse 13 of the Acts passage. Because what Jesus now says is. Where he says. These are the words that I spoke to you. Mm. Now he brings mm. into the story that he tells. The teaching that he gives. And he says. But hold it. This story has a history. Mm. Which you know. Mm. The law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. All that is happening right now is, whilst the narrative was written, God was moving in the narrative until at some point the fulfillment is realized. That's the story. You know, that's the key point. What's that point when they're telling story in in story form? Mm. You know, it starts there, but the climax of the story is this. But once you've reached the climate of the story, does the story end there? no Mm. a new chapter is opened what's the effect of that reaching that fulfillment of that climax and he says then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures Mm. so now being with them for three years after the resurrection experience he still has to open clogged minds Because scripture was the written narrative. But when you write, I mean, I don't know about you, but when I read a book, I'm reading what I'm reading on the pages. But something says to me, what was undergirding the mind of the author here? Mm. Why did he tell this story? What's the point he's trying to make and why is everybody buying this story? And we see at CNA or whatever, it's now number one. Mm. What is so dynamic about that story that gives me the, the the inspiration to want to read it? And once I've read it after many, I mean, ooh, Dan Brown's Da Vinci mm.
0: Codes. I was disappointed at the end. <laughs> Why? Dan Brown was an amazing researcher. <laughs> He is.
1: I mean, I was. But the way he ends the story, because you see, we don't know the end of the story. Mm. No matter how much research we've done, we don't know what the conclude the real conclusion of the narrative. Mm. I watch Netflix and Korean movies, hyped mm. up from the beginning, disappointed at the end all of them ending that way then i say what was the purpose of all of this so we don't know the end of the story why does he open up the scriptures to them and why does he say you are witnesses of these things what's the role of the witness
2: to tell the truth or some version of the truth to live the story
1: so that the truth of the story can be told in such a way that not only through one person, but through the the, the collective of witnesses, a fuller understanding of the truth emerges because truth doesn't exist in one of us. Mm. It exists within the collective. Mm. And so it's the collective taking the responsibility. So when 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 we're doing this podcast, we are offering a narrative for worship and reflection. But but what is the when we say the conclusion of the story? The conclusion of the story doesn't end. And so so and so so that they all lived their play ever after. The conclusion of the story says. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. It's always a call to service. Live what you've learned. Live what you reflected upon. Live what you received through the sacramental life of our Lord. Live the truth as it's been poured into your heart, in your experience, so that people may say "Say yeah," that repentance and forgiveness of sins is available to all nations in the name of Jesus. That's the kernel of the story you must tell in your actions and in your being. So in other words, witnesses are called to be co-authors of a lived narrative.
3: Mm.
1: It's just not a matter of, these are the words I spoke and they were written of me. I spoke them that were written of me in the past. I lived them so that they reach there, so that the story is fully told. Now I'm giving you an openness of mind to understand this scripture. So as witnesses, you then continue to live the narrative. But don't forget where it comes from. Don't forget the passage which brought you to it. And remember, the concluding part is not in your hands. You can only but journey towards the conclusion if that's the conclusion of it all. So. I think I've I've offered you some response to your second question. Mm. But to one of the questions you put, you know, I'm very wary of the titles we assume because once a title is given, the assumption in our westernized world is that position and power, not always responsibility and function. So when people do what they do in terms of tricking you, I'll make you an apostle, you know, to assume that the authority to make apostles lies in that one person. I can safely say that being part of the system in the Anglican Church, it takes more than one person to recognize, discern um, whether this person is called to function in that capacity, in the life of the church, Mm. because so often people are functioning in the life of the church, not because they are called to do it, but because they're filling in the gaps which are being left by those who can, who are called but are not willing to participate at that level, who perhaps don't have a sense of Maybe this is where Jesus says, these are the words I spoke to you, but it looked like you still didn't understand. Let me now open your minds Mm -hmm. to further and deeper understanding. And that's what we're looking at in terms of our worship services, that our minds are open so that we can understand what it is, the scriptures, the narrative is. It's it's not only a written narrative. It's not only a proclaimed narrative. It is a lived narrative. That's Mm -hmm. why it's a living narrative that you and Ka'ai are invited to witness to and live in en route to where God is. So I have the problem that when they lay hands on you and they did this, but it was within the community, the community had a discerning say about this. Mm. Some of us operate I'm reverent, so you, you know, I'm venerable, so therefore it means you must listen to exactly what I say. That's not the purpose of that. It's the function that I'm called to do. And when I'm called to function and take responsibility, that should immediately bring me to the sense of humility.
3: Mm.
1: Lord, I'm not worthy. But you called me, empower me so that I can help your people. Not from a position of power and dogmatism and oppression, but if you open up the minds of the disciples, how are you calling me to open up the lives of your people to your glory? So unfortunately, we're caught into the westernized individualistic trap that once you get a title, you have a position and you have power. Mm-hmm. And people must recognize you for that rank you hold. Whereas for me, if Jesus was given the divine glory as the servant of God to do what he was called to do, even to death, that's the proper pattern we have to follow. It's not about title. It's Mm. about function. It's interesting, though, that this translation that we're using puts servant in a capital
2: letter. I wonder whether that makes a difference to what Jesus
1: actually did at the, as the servant. What was the, the actual duty of the servant to bring about salvation, which the only way that you can really display the redeeming love of God was hmm. to lay down his life. Um, Mark Mark's gospel says it's beautifully. chapter 10. The son of man came not to serve, but to be, not not to to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Mm. Now, many of us can do the service part or assume we can do. But is our servant being also a way in which it's redeeming, helping to bring people to the point of redemption in their lives? Does it lead them to the redeemer mm. who came to serve and give his life mm. as a ransom for many? Or does my servanthood again become a place of arrogance rather than a place of humility in my life? So people can can easily bamboozle us. Uh, Pilate did try and do that with Jesus. Um, at the end, when Jesus was just about to
2: die, they called him the king of the Jews and they beat him up. Who beats up a king? And makes him to be tormented in that way. Did he receive that? When they said, you are the king
1: of the Jews, he says, that's what you call me. Mm. In the way that you want to give it to me, that's not the way that I come to be king. My kingship is of another world. So I think that's my response to your question. (laughs) around the apostle thing.
0: Um. <laughs> <laughs> Can there be apostles walking amongst us today? The functioning
2: thereof, but not the title. Okay. I that that's yeah. Um like I think especially
0: with, with this narrative, with this episode, what, what has transpired here, it's not
2: a question of whether. I believe, because there's there's a lot of chatter
0: that I, uh, um, especially when talking to people and explaining to them why I, I, I do this kind of podcast, where it's like, I, as I've said right at the beginning of this, story, where, where I kind of explained my motives, is I am perfectly happy with my children being raised as Christians. They say their bedtime prayers every night. They pray before every meal. Um, It's a nice discipline to fall into. It's a nice mindfulness because, again, I fully support the idea of Christianity being a fully, like a very accessible philosophy that prescribes universal love and acceptance. And respect for one another, which is is amazing. And for me to be able to converse with you about these sorts of things, what is contained in the tenets of that philosophy, like really trying to find the foundation so that people can, my intention is that people can go on their own exploration, what their relationship is, what your relationship is with the faith with their understanding, with your understanding of what it means to be Christian. When you call yourself Christian, what does that mean? What are the prescribed beliefs that come with that? And are you willing to accept that that is the trade-off? And then like as a secondary effect, having Conversations about humanity, about the human experience with other people relating on a common knowledge base. And the interpretation of that knowledge, it's how I can converse with my wife, who is deeply Christian. That's how I converse with my parents, who were deeply Christian, um, committed Christians, faithful Christians. Uh, And I I don't, there may have been a little bit of of a tone there. but I, I really mean no no offense when 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 I say those terms because we all need something that we believe in. We all need a roadmap for
2: how we decide to live our lives. And as long as it comes with
0: a set of guidelines <coughs> to help you build up another person, I am perfectly happy. To explore and engage on that, because I'm just curious, <laughs> um, and I think, yeah, that that that's why the the questioning about like what was the purpose of the death? Because by my reading, it's all to legitimize the actions of Jesus, um, and that is where I will leave you um, <laughs> this evening. Yeah, can can I
1: maybe just do a, a short response to it? Yep. I think it goes back to the way you defined this podcast. Um, what does the does exploring our faith means? We know it all, mm. but we start from the premise that we have the potential to, and we've come to believe in something. There's a passage of our that has happened. We have the common narrative of the scriptures. We also have our human experiences and many other voices who've given input into our lives over time, whether we agree or not. People that we've read, people we studied about um, in relation to what uh, the scriptures have, have revealed to us. So now, as we grow into this through exploration what then? What then becomes of our faith? How does it? How is it informed, formed, and transformed through this exploration experience? Given that we're taking the text, and the text is about who God is and who God is in Jesus Christ, and how God relates to creation and humanity, the world, as it were. Mm. Yes, that is a story written in an ancient context. But a story very well written in such that we can contextualize the interpretation of that story in our time for its benefits. So alongside this Christian narrative, there's other narratives that are being read in order to explore this whole area
2: of faith, because we could start off the day, let's say, as
1: traders. I believe today that stock X will reach its climates at that point of the day. So I'm going to apply myself to that belief. Mm. So whether we like mm. it or not, believe somehow comes into the frame. What we are saying is just not about a, 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 a right and a, 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 a yes and a no action. It's deeper than that. So this word explore is very chief in the way we are We are telling the story because very much, very much in what we are doing is not just me saying what I think the text may have. I could easily say, I believe, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Now let's explore why I believe that. And then I could give my understanding, not just understanding of that text, but the meaning of the need for my mind to open. Who opened my mind in the past? What text did they use? Why do I need to understand it? And when one understands it, what becomes the next step? Where does it lead me to? So I think that area of exploration is a very key thing. That means we've not and cannot fully finally make up our minds today. But we are journeying towards what Jesus says. uh, This must be fulfilled. We're moving towards fulfillment. Not towards conclusion, towards fulfillment, mm-hmm. uh, which is, is, is sort of my embrace of the philosophy of, of the life that God has given us. So I certainly I'm um, am, am glad to be in this conversation because you are giving voice.
2: And therefore, opportunity to others' voices to explore their questions of life
1: in relation to the text that is provided for us as scripture or or in whatever way it's, it's provided for us. The question, of course, is this.
2: Am I searching for God in my search? Empirically. Mm. Or is God searching for me? And in my search for God, God will find me. And only then will I really find him. We could do an entire <laughs> episode. <laughs> Just like that question. So you could please
0: extract a few other points of... Brief reflection in the praise of the church. Thank you,
1: Father. Emerging from the scriptures, Lindsay, is for us to give thanks to God. Today we say give thanks to God, our Father, that because of his love, we are assured that we can become his beloved children. By this you have filled our hearts, O God, with gladness. So we can rest in peace because in you, we are safe. In our intercessions today, our intercessions, is also a new song we sing to the Lord because God has done and continues to do marvellous things. So our prayer is, hear us, holy and righteous one, open the minds of your church to the fulfilment of your Your promise beyond our imagining. That you will give us faith to trust in your life-restoring power. That you will raise up faithful witnesses to proclaim the wonders of your love. That you will inspire legislators to defend the dignity of all life. May no one be regarded as being less worth. And I pray for our sister who stood at the Ropa tonight with her young baby
2: teach us to honor all people as your children and then be with all who teach sharpen
1: our minds on the wonders of your creation nurture wisdom and train us to see to use the gifts you give and then we bring before you all who seek your healing grace Pray for our own parishioners, those on our pew leaflets, the friends of the parish.
2: Those who are housebound. And all in institutions of healing,
1: pour upon them your consolation. Strengthen the faint hearted. And give peace to the dying and comfort, compassion, sorry, to the hearts of those called to care. And so hear us, holy and righteous one. You hold before us a promise of great hope. Bring us to share in the life of your
2: redeemed. Author of life, we look to the final revelation of your eternity. We are still living with COVID. We are called to live
1: with dignity and also With caution, so God, who graciously hears our prayers, hear our distress and joy in the struggle with COVID. We thank you for the compliance of the people in order to lower the rate of infection. We thank you, we thank you, caution in the use of of vaccines and its effects. We place before you all the plans for further rollout, especially to the elderly and the challenge. The caution in that prayer is about the vaccine that has now been on hold, uh, Johnson & Johnson. We think of those who are challenged by gender-based violence, and in our prayer, into that context, we seek great awareness, advocacy, and activism. God, even the religious Leaders blooded their hands with violence by killing and murdering Jesus after rejecting him. Please save all who experience the violence of rejection and even murder, and bring repentance to the minds and hearts of offenders. And we pray for the world, we continue to pray for our continent, God, God bless Africa, God our children, guide our leaders, and give us peace for Jesus Christ's sake. And then in conclusion, Go now, sent by the one who comes and stands amongst us, calling us to witness to his redemptive wounds, proclaiming to the nations repentance and forgiveness of sins in his name, in the conviction that we in him are God's beloved children. May the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among us and remain with us always. Amen. Go in peace. To love and serve the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the name of Christ Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.